Welcome to Tezos in Asia, a series featuring and showcasing the growing Tezos communities in Asia. I'm your host, Joyce Yang, founder of Global Coin Research. Follow me in my journey in exploring and meeting the various Tezos communities in Korea, Japan, Southeast Asia, China, and more. Learn about the crypto happenings in each of these countries, the cultural backdrop and the regulatory frameworks, and the exciting progress that these Tezos communities are making locally. In this episode, I'm in Thailand at the DS Summit, hosted by the Elevator Returns and Simico Securities. Back in February, Elevator Returns, a New York-based financial group focused on digitizing traditional financial assets, announced that it has selected Tezos as the blockchain platform to offer Elevator Returns tokenized real estate offerings. At the DS Summit, Elevator Returns announced that it will dedicate $100 million of the $250 million committed this year to tokenize the real estate market in Thailand. Now, I speak with Caleb Kao, president of Tezos Southeast Asia, TSA for short, and learn about the details of this partnership. In our conversation, Caleb also talks about TSA's partnership with a leading local university to develop the first blockchain education and research program in Thailand and shares the blockchain trends in Southeast Asia overall. Let's start off our conversation with Caleb, president of Tezos Southeast Asia. Hi, Caleb. Hi, Joyce. It's good to speak with you. You must be very busy today. Oh, yes. We've had a really good event and everyone's asking us about the Tezos platform as well as its multiple practical real-world users. Uh, what are we doing here and this partnership between Elevated Returns and Simico to use Tezos technology? So there has been a lot of interest for sure. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that partnership? Yeah. So sometime back in the news, I believe you will know that the Elevated Returns announced that they are going to tokenize up to a billion dollars worth of STOs on the Tezos platform. So Thailand is the first initiative that they're working on with a leading property developer. And they are targeting to actually tokenize up to, I heard, 100 million USDs worth of properties here. And this is going to be luxury properties that are very valuable from an investment point of view, as well as from a demand point of view. Uh, this is the first step that they are working on. And today happens to be the press release between all three parties. Um, I've just sat through a press conference whereby the local media was asking a lot of questions, you know, um, pretty much around what the opportunity is, how do people perceive it, um, what's really the factor that's driving this whole interest. Um, so it's, on one hand, it's pretty new, but a lot of people are paying attention to it. That's great. Super interesting to be here and seeing, you know, the scene around STOs because we haven't seen much of that happening recently. Can you tell us a little bit more about Tezos Southeast Asia as an organization and your role there? Tesla Southeast Asia was formed last year, sometime in June, and our mandate is really to promote the awareness of the Tesla's platform as well as its associated technologies within the region. Um, Southeast Asia is loosely comprised of countries that are Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, and the Philippines. So when we first started, our goal was um, to promote this awareness as well as to reach out you know, to the communities for education initiatives. Part of that involves talking to universities about the technology 
figuring out whether we could partner with leading researchers to be able to um, you know, contribute back to the Tezos protocol. And also at the same time, identify good developers so that they could start writing the necessary tooling, the UI enhancements for other developers to start building on top of Tezos. Um, gradually, we've kind of seen our role also evolve into handling of events, uh, supporting commercial activities such as this Elevated Returns Partnership with Simico here in Thailand. Um, we find ourselves following where the market goes, enabling discussions to happen and how people look at the Tezos ecosystem as a whole um, and what they want to build on top of it. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role? So my official title is president. Uh, my unofficial title is I do everything else that nobody wants to do. No, just kidding. Um, but in reality, it's, uh, it's a very small team and everyone supports each other. You know, while we kind of have roles that are defined, we also double head, triple head many different roles. And um, because in Tezo Southeast Asia, we are actually a non-profit foundation. Um, the board members, such as myself, comprise of people from entrepreneurial backgrounds, um, people coming from finance, legal background. And we all come together to form this management structure, you know, that oversees uh, the day-to-day -day employees. And right now, we have a team of two full-time employees in Singapore and another two developers in Taiwan. They perform a variety of roles ranging from helping companies understand Tezos uh, technology, meeting with MNCs to explain how you know it could potentially be integrated into their services, organizing meetups, organizing events around the region. And um, recently, we've even been involved in just writing simple proof-of-concept codes for companies that want to get started on building on Tezos, but actually don't know how to get started because um, there's just such a vast area for them to explore. Um, it's really a very big scope that's keeping us busy every day. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are very busy. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you've been focusing on in the last few months, specifically with Tezos Southeast Asia? Tesla Service Asia has been in the last few months very focused on, you know, kind of coordinating between different regions in Asia. Um, you would probably already know that there is a foundation in Japan that's fully independent. There's a foundation in Korea that's also fully independent, you know, and, and China is even also starting its own local foundation that's fully run by locals. Um, Asia itself represents a very unique approach to community building and organization which is very new to the whole blockchain space. You know, we will see companies, even big companies that have run their um, investments, uh, fundraising, um, set up official management structures, and it's all very directed, very centralized. But Tezos is actually a community, you know, and if we term, uh, loosely term the word Tezos Asia, as we've coined that term, um, then Tezos Asia actually means everyone that participates uh, in Asia as part of the community. Um, you know, just like um, myself and uh, everyone else in Korea and Japan and Taiwan. And that means a lot to the different leaders because it's both an identity as well as a common goal that everyone works towards. 
the community leaders in Korea, for example, um, have been around before the fundraiser and they started running activities and meetups on their own. They formed their own unique flavors, you know, of approaching community building. In Singapore, we are kind of different because we focus on uh, a very mature market, you know, different population sizes. And even in our respective countries, people adopt blockchain differently. So we're kind of separate, but we can relate to the same challenges that each other's face. And therefore, through these challenges, we support each other very well. Um, I always kind of joke with uh, the various community leaders and I say that, you know, if we were a startup, then we would in fact be a very good entrepreneurial team because on one hand, we are everywhere, we are distributed, we are not even um, structurally related to each other, and yet we are still pushing towards the same goal for the project. So that's very rare to be able to find anywhere. It's really true. Yeah. What was your background before this and how do you see the blockchain space evolving overall? Um. I come from the IT infrastructure, data center background, you know, like um, I built the boring stuff that people end up building cool applications upon. Um, it's a very critical part of powering the internet that sometimes does get overlooked. You know, like you need to have reliable data centers. You need to have uh, very solid networking systems that don't fail because this is really the backbone of the internet. Um, and that really helped me get a better understanding of blockchain because if you think of blockchain and even um, the various technologies now to a certain extent in, in light of their development stages, uh, these are really in their infancy. This is just the beginning, uh, just like, you know, how the internet was back in the late 90s when, you know, everyone was still figuring out what does it mean? Do they really need to get on the internet? You know, do they even need to get a dial-up account? And people were pushing the boundaries to say that this is the future. You know, this is the way people are going to communicate. But you just couldn't really see the the actual applications. I think we're at that stage right now where Tezos and even blockchain in general is. And if you can help users to unlock the potential of blockchain, not in a hyped up manner, you know, not to be over-marketed, but rather looking at day-to-day -day applications and asking hard questions about how can we use this technology meaningfully in a very simple application? Then that's good enough as a first step, I think, because then we'll be able to show the layman or someone who's not really too into blockchain how this could tangibly impact their daily living. And that would be the first step, you know. Uh, that's what we see ourselves doing here at Tesla Southeast Asia because we've been building training curriculum, we've been talking to universities, um, just this month, in fact, we sponsored the uh, National University of Singapore for their high school holiday computer science training programs. And um, we want to be able to equip the next generation with the right knowledge and the right tools to be able to understand these technologies that will probably be a very common part of their lives in future. Um, and by getting them started early, the hope is that they will develop a very healthy interest, build their own knowledge, explore, figure things out, and eventually come to a point whereby they can say, 
okay, I would like to contribute back uh, to either the Tezos platform or maybe even uh, the community as a whole. And that's what we really see ourselves doing, taking a lead, um, especially for this year. We've also been working on a partnership with a leading university here in Thailand called Chulalongkorn University. And they are looking at incorporating curriculum for Tezos-related content into their existing programs. Because um, this, they see this as the future and they want to make sure that they are one step ahead in educating their masses. So this is going to be a big thing if it does go through because then you are going to be able to enable students to undergo a very disciplined training program, know the basics, you know, know what it means uh, to have a healthy understanding of how blockchain technology came about, um, how it's been evolved, and, and where does Tezos even fit in into the whole bigger picture. What's the university called again? The university is called Chulalongkorn University, and I believe they are the largest and most well-known university here in Thailand. Um, you know, constantly ranked the top in the country. Um, so the faculty at the university actually are very forward-looking. Um, we've had initial discussions with them, and they they can just simply see through. You know that this is the future, and they want to make sure that they don't just put their students through a program that simply imparts knowledge, but they also want the students to go through a practical application phase, you know, that um, they'll be able to look at how they can get students to do hands-on coding, writing simple smart contracts uh, using the Tezos platform, and um, maybe even, you know, get some good proof-of-concept applications up and running. And really, um, you're going to kind of let them go through this education phase in a, in a sandbox environment, and um, maybe make some mistakes, maybe tinker around a little bit, break something. But at the end of the day, it just pushes them, you know, to think about what's coming next. Yeah, that's great. What are the trends that you're seeing in Southeast Asia with blockchain and uh, maybe Tezos specifically in Southeast Asia? I think in Southeast Asia, Tezos is being perceived and adopted differently across different geographic regions. Um, we've talked about STO ventures in Thailand, probably in a different country, fintech would be a more interesting topic for Tezos because um, it's particularly viewed as having attributes that make applications and transactions much safer due to formal verification technologies. The technology incorporates um, elements of formal verification and it's able to evolve uh, its core protocol in the long run. So it also represents potential for developers to suggest their own add-ons, upgrades in the longer run. Um, and I'm actually very much looking forward to see some of these developers from different countries propose and even um, um, give suggestions you know, on how to upgrade the platform in future based on their own unique local business needs, uh, their own... Um, uh, preferences that they see that come up from different regions. Um, and it's truly, you know, going to be uh, very diverse um, suggestions coming from all around the region. Um, and of course, you know, the, the aim here is to build up vibrant communities that uh, ultimately play their role in this whole ecosystem that Tezos is operating in. And 
maybe there is a small part of this uh, very talented pool that we can start targeting that would eventually be able to contribute back to the protocol itself, you know, have it um, be flexible and um, bring out the essence of what the local markets need for tomorrow even. Yeah, definitely. What are the kind of different unique features of each of these countries and their approach to blockchain? Uh, there was an interesting question that one of the press reporters asked earlier on in the media interview. They were asking about how would Thai people react to this potential of learning Tezos and how would they tangibly be able to implement that in their daily living? Um, so my simple answer to that was that Thailand is a country that has, you know, if you look at the country as a whole, it has got huge mobile phone penetration rates. Um, that is kind of the new future and that's what everyone is embracing right now. So connectivity is expected. Even high-speed connectivity is kind of the, the default mindset in most people's minds. Because of that, you see such a huge population of people not just coming online, but they're actively consuming day-to-day -day services online as part of their daily living. What this means for Tezos in essence is that there is a much higher chance that they will be able to open themselves to adopting newer technologies because the population is already savvy enough. Um, it's not a mobile first generation anymore. It's a mobile native generation that simply grew up with these technologies and, you know, they clamor for the newer smartphones. They are so updated on global news because communication channels and news are so readily available it's pushing the population to want to consume new things and want to try out what's new what's coming next so in terms of mass market potential just because of the sheer population size there's a lot of opportunity for blockchain to help in terms of efficiencies helping to mitigate very mundane administrative processes for a huge population perhaps even automating them in smart contracts and that's where I kind of see Thailand having their very own unique approach. Um, perhaps in a few more years, as time um, passes and we have trained more people from all these education initiatives that were mentioned earlier, they would be able to go to traditional industries and say, hey, um, share with me your problems. Perhaps I can think of a good way to build something to help you operate more efficiently because of this new technology that I know. And that's the goal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. For another country such as Singapore, uh, it's a little bit different because Singapore um, is a country that's significantly smaller in population uh, compared to many countries in the region. Um, the population has to focus on kind of the services industry, financial services, things that are very quick to move. Um, and the nature of it is going to be less dependent on manpower-driven initiatives, but more on automation. Um, questions like, how can you get more efficiency? How can uh, maybe the intersection of robotics, blockchain, and IoT help to lend more relevancy you know, in what we know, maybe in the private sector businesses, maybe in the public sector? So the nature of this is very different. And, and Singapore being, uh, by virtue, being in between so many Southeast Asian countries is kind of like a cultural exchange point where uh, a lot of facilitation of communication can happen. 
the country can facilitate things like global events being held, uh, exchange of ideas, getting everyone to uh, come together, uh, to network and uh, take a very thought leadership process. So it takes on a different approach, I would say. Yeah, and the regulators there are also very open and transparent. Let's talk about regulatory conditions. Anything interesting you're seeing there? We covered a little bit on Thailand and Singapore. What are the, some of the promising breakout countries that you think people should focus on? Thailand is very interesting um, from the point of that the, um, at least throughout our discussions with um, some government officials, we took back the impression that they are very knowledgeable. They know a lot. They've done a lot of research into blockchain, you know, what it means for the country. And they always want to come up with policies that will help people to be able to be protected in the event of securities, you know, potent maybe investment not working out the way they they should, you know, or they expected. Um and so they're really thinking a lot on behalf of the people, which is good to know um, because you don't want investors to be exposed to unnecessary risk, right? And the Thai authorities are really investing a lot, you know, in finding out, in having discussions, in being very open-minded, in sharing their thought processes. Another country I feel that has such great potential in the longer run would probably be Indonesia. Um, Indonesia is a country that most people, maybe even including myself, love to go for vacations, you know. Uh, when you think of Bali and you think of very nice tropical islands. But Indonesia is representative of so many islands joined together. The population is um, like Thailand, increasingly mobile. Uh, they are very tech-savvy. They consume services so quickly. Um, online services. Um I have a customer in Indonesia whom I did some consulting work with and uh, they're the largest web hosting, com- uh, web hosting company in Indonesia. They, they made some comments um, and, and, and feedback to me about the type of customers they have uh, many years ago. And you know they would share with me and say that um, we, we do accept payments from customers obviously through credit cards, you know, Visa, MasterCard, but a significant amount of transactions or even payments coming from their customers are actually done by manual bank transfers. So, and why, you know, we ask ourselves, is this because of convenience? Is it because it's cheaper? You know, and obviously there's a business case from the merchants not to use credit cards because uh, they have to pay huge service fees. But on the other hand, we realized that This was also a market perception issue. Just because everyone pays by bank transfers, so it is an accepted way. And that was many years ago, you know. I believe now the adoption rate for payments is not just um, by credit cards, but even online wallets is increasing. So it's very right for blockchain to come in place and help in payment settlement, even cross-boundary payment settlements, remittances, so many areas that could be better optimized in terms of costs. And I would think that the country is ready for a huge wave of change where payments are concerned. Yeah, that's really great. And an opportunity that we probably don't see in too many places where you have a large potential adoption as well as growth. Yes, the population needs to be 
all around the world, like increasingly traveling, not just domestically, but internationally as well. And increasingly, Indonesians are starting to travel more, becoming more mobile, starting to explore new countries, work overseas, send money back home, things like that. Um, that kind of amplifies and expands by itself. Uh, the need to support these payment methods is going to start to grow accordingly, I think. Yeah, that's really insightful. And you guys are also launching an incubator. That's right. This is, in fact, the uh, the thing that's personally exciting to me, at least, I would say. Um, we have so many applications uh, that are being built on Tezos, you know, finally making it up to the public. Um, you will start hearing more about them as time passes because, like, at least here in Tezos Southeast Asia, uh, we talk a lot to startups. We, we talk a lot to people who, who ping us privately and ask questions about like, oh, I need to build this and can you help me along with that? And could you refer me to, to, uh, you know, to find this documentation on, um, uh, some explanation from technical solutions on Tezos? Um, and as we start these conversations, we realize that these are very good ideas. Um, through these conversations, we see solid ideas that require an entrepreneurial mindset to pioneer and to push the boundaries, you know, of how we look at things today. So I'm personally very excited to see some of these ideas mature and start getting traction and even be there to help them amplify that. Um, if you think of the various community organizations in Asia as launch pads for each other, a startup in Singapore could tap on us and say, use our relationship with Tezos Korea, for example, and gain an immediate market access point, gain localization, gain very unique business knowledge, even help them gain publicity in the market that they are expanding to. And that's very valuable for a startup, you know, who wants to build an application and scale it. Um, we see this as something that's very exciting increasingly as we communicate more with our counterparts throughout Asia and even to a larger extent throughout the whole world. I'm very excited to see how we can help these startups uh, or even ideas flourish any, pretty much anywhere. Um, TZ Ventures is going to be our very first foray into kind of like an incubation mentorship program. We're putting together a team that's going to help these companies answer very basic questions of how can I build something on Tezos, but in the right way. And what I mean by that is that there are just so many incubators out there. There are so many startup accelerator programs. <laughs> uh, just do a Google search and you will find so many. But we see ourselves in a very unique niche because Implementing ideas or contracts on Tezos requires a healthy understanding of why do you even choose the platform and we're hoping that we can help these companies build in the right way from the start, saving them a lot of unnecessary time going in circles, helping them to gain an immediate understanding of what should and should not be done and what are some pitfalls to avoid. At the end of the day, Time is money as well, right? So we choose to say that the time that we invest in is worth a lot because you're going to get the intangibles that have a very strategic value. At the end of the whole incubation process, 
uh, we would take these startups and present them to our venture capital partners, very famous investors within our network, or maybe even investors that had um, approached us along the way that asked, you know, do you have any interesting ideas that are being built on the platform? And there are just so many potential possibilities that we could work on, but we also want to be a little bit selective because we're working on the first rollout of this program and we have to make sure that whoever we work with, we can commit to them. And likewise, they can also commit to us. And because this means uh, a lot, you know, in the whole partnership process and how we help them to grow in the long term. To learn more about the Tezos Accelerator, go to tz.ventures. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Tezos and Tezos communities, make sure to check out the website links in the show notes below and follow Tezos Southeast Asia on Twitter at Asia Tezos. This podcast is produced by Global Coin Research.